Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with my co-host Shane Mason, and we're two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. So Casey, our next guest is a professor of public health at the University of San Francisco, which just happens to be where I work as well. Just happens so, to be. Yeah, so uh, RN, actually a doctorally prepared nurse, Barbara Sattler is the, at the forefront of a growing national movement to shine a public light on the controversial method of hydraulic fracturing, commonly known as fracking and its adverse health risks. I'm glad somebody's doing this work. So Barbara, so nice to have you with us today. Let's talk about your recent article, Fracking the Environment and Health, New Energy Practices May Threaten Public Health. Why did you write the article and what's your goal in becoming so active against fracking? So there are multiple reasons for the article. First of all, uh, the vast majority of people in this country don't really know what fracking is. Mm -hmm. And nurses should absolutely know what fracking is. But we also wrote the article. I had co-authors as well. Um, so Nina Katkins and Ruth uh, McDermott-Levy have to mention them. Um, what's happening right now uh, is that fracking is part of a poor energy policy. So we need to connect, contextualize this, I think. We still have coal. Coal is on the descendancy, um, natural gas on the ascendancy. Both of them have huge numbers of human health effects associated with them. We don't have a comprehensive way uh, to really move ourselves to renewables and healthier, safer choices. And so what we're doing right now is we are bowing to the industry, calling this the cleaner energy, which mm -hmm. is so far from the truth. And these buses that say natural gas, that clean energy is mm -hmm. so not the truth. But the industry has really painted this picture as this is the transition energy source for us to get off these fossil fuels. Hello, this is a fossil fuel. Right. And so this article was to raise it into that larger context, but for nurses to really talk about um, what's going on in the communities and with the dissolution of communities, not just the individual human health, but really the whole community is falling apart around this. Mm -hmm. Barbara, fracking has been around since 1949, but new technology and cheaper extraction have fueled dramatic growth in its youth. How many people in this country are currently living within 1 to 25 miles of fracking operations? So let me start with the first part of that, which is incorrect. We haven't really been doing uh, high-pressure fracturing. So we have been drilling and extracting fossil fuels for a long time. That's, so that's this, been since 1949 yes. we've been doing it, but it's different than this actual fracking. This is very fracking. different. This okay. is very different. This is using a huge amount of both uh, water, huge amount of water, uh, as well as chemicals. So an individual frack, one individual frack will take 40,000 toxic chemicals, 40,000 gallons of toxic Mixed with and water. Mixed with water, mixed with silica, and under high pressure sent down into the ground. Um, very high pressure, too. Um, there are also, in those chemicals, there are propellants, there are explosives, so they kind of blow up the, the shale, and, yes. and, and, and they extract the little bits of gas that have been down there for zillions you know, of years. Um, but how many people right now that we know of live within a mile? It's over 15 million and Oof. growing and absolutely wow. growing. And so why this is, uh, let me just give you one example. We don't have a lot of research. Two reasons. EPA is not researching this. Yes. Our current Congress is, one side of the House in particular, is keeping the EPA from doing research on this, literally sort of a chokehold on them. We also know that some of the state uh, the state health departments have put gag orders, including Pennsylvania put a gag order on the health department 
um, professionals from talking about fracking. So within the governments, we've got some really uh, kind of scary things going on right now um, to keep the American public from learning more about this and from research. But one of the, when you asked how close people are living uh, to these frack sites, one of the inter interesting pieces of peer-reviewed literature, so evidence for nurses, um, was done looking at um, women who have babies who live within a certain proximity. So they looked at within a mile and a half of a frack site and outside a mile and a half. And what they discovered is that those women who deliver babies who lived within a mile and a half of the frack site uh, wound up having babies with lower APGAR scores. Wow. Now, these are the scores that, as nurses probably know, um, these are the scores that are given to a baby at, at birth. The minute they come out the birth canal, and then uh, five minutes later. And it's things like their appearance. Are they breathing? Are they floppy babies? Or do they have some muscle tone? So just some real basic metrics. And so what we're discovering is that those children that are born closer to these frac sites are born with lower app, statistically significantly lower APGAR scores. Something's going on here. Do people know that they're living by the fracking site? So, you know, you say one to 25 miles. I wonder if even those people living in there are even cognizant, right. especially if you're more than a mile away, that there's fracking going on in your community. Right. So this was, that study was a mile and a half. So just to note, we did a fracking camp for nurses, a three-day fracking camp, um, and, and we targeted nurses, and this was for California nurses, we targeted nurses in the Central Valley um, and in areas where we know the exploratory wells are going in right now. And I had two school nurses, they were Latina nurses, very active in their communities, and so when we taught them where to locate the permits for these kinds of things, one of the nurses discovered that three, three blocks from her house was an exploratory well, she had no idea. And so they don't have to tell anybody in the community that they're doing that. Well, so they have to get a permit. And the way that permits are announced is in a little itty-bitty oh, sure. place in the newspaper, you know, in small font saying that a permit, you know, a permit is being issued. The thing about this, though, also is that when if they do have a permit hearing, it's pro forma, because in, as long as whoever is getting a permit is not doing something illegal or, you know, beyond EPA regulations, then the, the permit's going to go through. Right. The assumption is that it's fine unless we find some reason for it not to be, which exactly. is hard to do. Exactly. And once they start the actual fracking, do they have to notify people? No, no, they don't. And, and this was something really important. I gave a talk to the National Association of School Nurses. There are no setback regulations. So you can have a frack site right at the fence line of a grammar school. Wow. Right. At the, I've got slides of, yeah, of them at the fence line of nursery schools. Oh, yeah. And uh, so this is, and I hope to share them with, with you so that yeah. you can have them visible as well. Mm. It's mm -hmm. a good thing this came about after you were born. Casey's always bragging about her APGAR scores. Like, we hear about it all the time. <laughs> That's right, because they were so yeah. off the chart. Because Mine I were was, okay. I was uh, I got, bodybuilding right yeah. out of the womb. I got screwed by the <laughs> Russian judge, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. So what are some of the chemicals that are used in this? process. We're talking about this is dangerous. We think it's dangerous, but we have some evidence that we're using some stuff that's not good for folks. Yeah. Right. So, 
So there is no, we do not have, we, the citizens of this country, have no right to know about what these <laughs> oh, nice. chemicals are. Because, I know they passed that, those regulations. Well, what they did was the gas and oil industry over the years have been getting in and absolving themselves from a multitude of regulations that if mm-hmm. they were any other kind of industry, they would have to adhere to. But um, there was another peer-reviewed article by Theo Coburn and several other scientists where they did... Uh, get a list of the chemicals. And there were over 900 toxic chemicals that they got on the list that were seemed to be commonly part of this toxic soup that they use. And they then did peer-reviewed studies of about 380, 390 of them. And so if you were to look at the health risks, so they took each of them and did toxicological profiles, and the health risks are cancer, immuno, you know, immunotoxicity, um, reproductive toxicity, uh, cause asthma, cause lung irritation. I mean, it's this myriad of health effects that can happen. And so when they, when they finish shooting these chemicals down into the ground and breaking things up, they then extract them back up. And they extract them, and more often than not, they put them in holding ponds. And so these holding ponds have no covers. And these covers, uh, these coverless sort of ponds have these chemicals that evaporate at room temperature. So put them in a place like the Central Valley, it's 105 degrees, and you've got these evaporative chemicals, they're just going right into the neighborhood. And so I actually talked to a woman from the California Air Resource Board, and I said, are you concerned about these holding ponds? And she said, yes, well, we really need to look into this. (laughs) Hello, they're already here. Hello, Da. So which, how many of the 50 states are involved in fracking? So fracking happens where there are these shale, what they call shale plays. Mm-hmm. So there's a really big one back east called the Marcellus Shale. Um, in California, the most newly sort of, of interest one is the Monterey Shale. Um, but in, uh, in Texas, Louisiana, uh, North Dakota is just fracked to death practically at this point. Your governor is very much in support of fracking. Yes, and our governor is very much uh, uh, on the fence, leaning towards yes, because he sees this as a transition energy source. I'm sorry he is not, I don't believe, aware of the human health effects that are associated with this. I don't believe he is either. And... so the folks that have his ear, I think, are perhaps not telling him the truth of the matter here. Right. So it's in 11 of the states currently, and there's eight states that are considering it. And I just took a trip back to Colorado where they were heavily pushing for such a green state, right. heavily pushing fracking. That's and right. on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrats, in unison, right. pushing fracking and to, uh, exactly. uh, to a state that's, that's uh, really green. And I, one thing I'd like to say is that, the, that there are nurses that are very involved in leadership on the anti-fracking campaign Good. in Colorado, as well as Pennsylvania, New York, Ohio, et cetera. Good. Yeah, and speaking of that, what do you hope to have happen with your advocacy efforts? How can nurses get involved? Sure. Well, I think that that is a really important question at this point because nurses are so trusted mm-hmm. for their information about this, and we're not using that voice. We're not using that voice. First, learning and being steeped in evidence-based information about this, which is critical to maintaining that uh, covenant we have with the public about being truth-tellers. And um, so this fracking camp that we did, we had two dozen nurses that we um, spent a day teaching about fracking. What is it? What are the health effects? The next day, we taught them about how to work with the media, 
in the morning, and then how to speak to legislators and regulators. And on the third day, we stromped down to uh, Sacramento, and these 24 nurses knocked on doors, talked to legislators, often to their legislative aides. Um, We talked to the California Air Resource Board, Dogger, which is the agency in California that's responsible for gas, oil, and geological stuff. And um, and so we're just really trying to help voices, nurses find their voices in this and promote that. CNA has huge potential power um, in terms of using its voice because, boy, power pack of a of a union. Yeah, you know? yeah that's for sure. So now there are other nursing and health profession groups who are getting involved in this movement. Can you name a few of those? Sure. The American Public Health Association uh, has a resolution on this. Physicians for Social Responsibility, which is one of the more progressive arms around environmental issues and mm-hmm. obviously nuclear issues, they've got a position uh, on this as well. The American Academy of Pediatrics is now discussing this. Um, the uh, the I can't remember the acronym or the name, but the obstetrical physicians are now looking at and recognizing the health effects associated with toxic chemicals and environmental exposure. So this is part of their conversation, though they don't have a position yet on this. Great. So is there anything else you'd like to say to wrap things up? So many things. So. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, let me just speak very quickly to the social effects of this. When these frack- fracking workers come in, they displace the elderly. They raise the housing prices in this often very poor areas where people are living marginally to begin right. with. They bring in 1,200 trucks per frack. Per, per frack. 1,200 trucks in a community. Trucks per frack. Oof. And so these are usually small. I mean, they're, these communities get overwhelmed. Sexually transmitted diseases go up. DWIs go up, uh, you know, so a lot of, uh, a lot of metrics go in the wrong directions when this happens. Where's the EPA in all of this? The EPA, well, the, the EPA and, and our president right now, I mean, the president has basically sort of um, decided that this is also a transition uh, a source of energy. Um, and so the EPA is an executive agency that sort of speaks his truth, as it were. Um, but Congress is really, really holding a uh, chokehold on the EPA's ability to do research on this. For us to understand, they're limiting EPA to only looking at uh, water quantity and not water quality issues wow. around this. So the need for nurses to get active in this is huge because, uh, you know, to our listeners out there, nobody else is going to do this fight, but it's going to be, a gra- it's going to have to be grassroots because there is so much money in the oil industry, and that's who's funding this, and they got a stranglehold on our Congress and our Senate. It really is up to all of us to do something about it, and if you don't think it's going to affect you, it will. It's in 11 states, moving to eight more states, and the 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 destruction that's going to happen from this is huge. And the c- contribution to climate change is also huge yes. on this one. So this this the ramifications for this are, are long, long-term. Yes. So, Barbara, is there someplace our listeners can go to find out more about your research and yourself? Uh, sure. Well, if they go to the um, our, our website, www.envirn.org, okay. um, there's information there on a range of environmental health issues. Um, there are a number of uh, Californians, against, Californians Against Fracking's got some really good information okay. there, and I'm Happy to place on whatever website would be helpful a list of uh, links to where they can get the peer-reviewed research, where they can also get 
uh, information on what kinds of advocacy campaigns are going on state by state as well as nationally. All right. So we'll put those up on our website. And it's been a pleasure to have you with us. We really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you for doing yeah. this work.